gagged at two girls, one cup. You cringed at two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Now it's time to get uncomfortable with Two Nobodies, One Podcast. This is Here's My Movie. Here's my movie! Hello and welcome to episode four of Here's My Movie. My name is Katie. And I'm Nate and I had my arms in the air when I did Here's My Movie. <laughs> Even though you can't see it. It's the animation station here tonight uh, and I'm really sorry that you all missed our gallant opening there. So this is... Episode four, we're rolling straight into a fairly controversial franchise, especially in this political climate, I would say. So we're featuring on this episode, The Last Jedi. Bum, bum, and, you know, it's one of those, I don't even know if, it, you wouldn't even call it polarizing these days. I think it's just flat out disliked by most. No, I think it's polarizing. Polarizing? It absolutely is. Yeah. And unfortunately, like the whole politics around it or the lack of politics, but the politics that people injected into it <laughs> yeah. from both sides of the argument made it either six stars out of five or negative six stars out of five. Excellent. Well, we will get deeper into that in a second, but we were fresh out of Endgame fairly recently. We saw it as soon as we could. Do we want to have a, a – this is a going to be a spoiler-free small interjection of Endgame. Uh, no, this is going to be a spoiler-free zone for that. I know that that's a point of contention. I've seen it's some people's life work, life's work to spoil it for people on Twitter, on Reddit, on Facebook. I've seen accounts created just to drop spoilers to people who have specifically said I don't want to be spoiled on Twitter and so it's a it's a terrosphere of assholes out there that want to spoil this movie for some reason. See I don't get that, but I also don't get the people that feel the need to make an announcement post about the repercussions for posting spoilers. Like m- delete that person and send them a private message saying you're a fucking asshole and just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Like the end. You don't need to announce that there's going to be wrath or consequences because that's what brings the trolls out. Yeah. Don't feed the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. But I I don't know. I, I can't understand why someone would dedicate their time to giving someone, like to, to robbing someone of joy in that way. I know there's plenty of people that want to argue with others or say something horrible about their appearance on an Instagram photo or something they've posted or things like that. Like th- those trolls I don't think are they're always going to be around because people can be dicks. But this is like deliberate forces of people that are going out there to be like, ah, spoilers for this thing. And who like who cares enough to do that? <laughs> I don't know. Was that line out of Firefly like the – uh, Shepherd guy says there's a, spe- a special circle in hell dedicated to like child molesters and people who answer their phone in the cinema. Yeah. You should add to that list these these trolls that deliberately go out of their way, committed spoiler people to yeah. just to just ruin stuff for people. And I think it's it's hard, but also there are there are things out there now that you can use to kind of block 
uh, headlines and keywords and stuff like that. We have friends who don't watch trailers, as we mentioned in, I think, the first episode. Yeah. And they, like, I basically act as this this point man who's like, all right, guys, you know, watch out, spoilers, trailers, whatever, definitely avoid this. Uh, but then you see even the bigger websites, the bigger publications start to have spoilers in the titles or even spoilerific pictures, which I don't think is cool. I don't think people think seriously enough about what they're doing. I don't think those people are necessarily trolls, but they're definitely trying to get on that sort of SEO bandwagon. Oh, yeah. To, you know, get those hits. Because you have questions when you come out of the – Endgame, you will have questions. Um, I'm not going to answer any of those questions. In fact, there's no point in even giving a synopsis. No, no, let's, let's not go into it. I don't. But I what did you think? Like, this is this is the most important thing. This is the end of, what, 21, 22 movies, uh, rounding up 10 years of Marvel that started off with Iron Man, who for the life of me, I didn't know was a superhero. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I, my Marvel, well, my Marvel, my comic upbringing was basically uh no it was literally batman and the punisher right and that's it like okay. I, I was aware of things like x-men spider-man and stuff like that the big ones superman wonder woman beyond that i mean i didn't even know who green lantern was and i'm pretty sure he's considered a tier for dc oh yeah and he's been around for a long 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 time i, I remember picking up green lantern comic books as we girl along with things like Thor and yeah. all of that kind of thing. I remember I was about – and this was only like – this would have been the early 90s, so not like ancient, but I, I'm sure he's been around for quite a few decades now. And, yeah, I remember my grandmother – when you went, but back in the days when you could buy uh, single-issue comics from newsagents and stuff like that, which I'm led to believe you cannot anymore. Didn't they ruin that as well? Yeah, yeah. I've still got some. And they put the sticker right on the front page. Yep. Don't do that. Philistines. I know. Uh, yeah, and she used to buy all that kind of stuff for me. And, uh, yeah, I used to get Green Lantern and I used to keep up to date with X-Men and stuff like that. So you had more of a diverse comic uh, upbringing than I did. I mean, that that one, you know, I'm not going to blame on my super conservative household. Like, comics were fair game. It just was the only ones that were on my radar, which is really weird. You know, kind of the really dark brooding ones. Like, there's there's Batman who refuses to kill, and all Punisher wants to do is like kill before he's had breakfast. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Punisher, I think, was one of them too, because once again, all of this stuff sort of went a little unchecked by the Guardians of my galaxy. Like, I could have oh. quite violent things, you know, considering. I was like seven or whatever at the time. So it was cartoons, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just cartoons. The idea that video games back then as well were only for kids. And I think I can probably, you know, I used my, uh, I was cunning as a shithouse rat, as Hello. as the Aussie saying goes, because I used to request, like, I'd spend my pocket money on, on usually on comics, and I would buy, like, The Punisher and a Betty and Veronica digest okay. in the same transaction to make it look like it was all happy, friendly, like fun, Archie-style kind of comic stuff and it just flew under the radar. Right. But really he was, you know, popping fools and <laughs> throwing grenades and shit. Archie, so. damn. Yeah, Archie. It was Archie. <laughs> Archie doing that. No, no. Mr. Frank Castle. I know people who did that with porn. 
Ah, they, like, rip get it. a Betty and Veronica oh, no. digest. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Playboy. They'd uh, rip the cover off like some, <laughs> you know, innocuous biking monthly magazine <laughs> and then just put it over a porn and, you know, hand it over really tight-fisted so that it didn't slide out and they'd scan that as a, a wholesome product for a teenager. Oh, this guy's interested in bikes. No, he's interested in fapping. That is pretty clever, actually. Yeah, I couldn't, like, even if I wanted to do that, I couldn't do that because the whole, like, destroying something to buy it would just not agree with very nerdy young Nathan. Mm. Well, I mean, you could have just borrowed uh, Betty and Veronica from me and drawn some very uh, exaggerated boobs on all the uh, females in it. That's what National Geographic was for, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's... (laughs) Is that the what, world's most, what's world's saddest porn? Like, not, and not sad because the subject matter is ugly, but it's like That's it's world- meant to be this beautiful celebration of Earth. And you're yeah. like, yeah, it, it was a beautiful celebration <laughs> of Earth. <laughs> it's a different kind of uh, tribute, which has a whole new meaning now on um, on the internet. Anyways. What did you think of Endgame? Just like what, what what kind of metric? How many how many Iron Man is a real superhero? Nathan, you idiots, out of five, do you give it? <laughs> it's it's a solid four, four and a half, I think, at this stage of ah. my my understanding of its place in the in the MCU. But uh, I do worry that that was driven by nostalgia and emotion. Yes. So. And uh, uh, look, I will say that you know it's a, what it's a good three and a half hour film. Three, three. It's just three. Okay, just three. Oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, and it it does a fantastic job of keeping a cracking pace where you're you never feel like it's uh, lagging or or the momentum has stopped at any point. So, regardless of how I feel on a second viewing, I think that point will stand, and that I th- I believe that's very difficult to do. For, for a long film like that. So I, I think it, for an action film, for a superhero film, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the, the great ones. I was really surprised at how much they let some of those scenes, particularly in the, the first act, kind of breathe. I was, I was expecting this movie to move at such a cracking breakneck pace given the kind of ground they had to cover. I mean, what you saw in Infinity War in terms of the amount of characters they were dealing with and what they had to wrap up, not just in terms of it being a sequel to Infinity War, but it being an Avengers movie that was basically trying to wrap up 10 years worth of stuff. And they were, you know, making big outlandish statements saying, this is this is the, the like, not the definitive end, but this is the end of this kind of first phase that's been going for 10 years. I mean, they had multiple phases, but like this is a 10-year arc and the way that they uh, they deal with that is really satisfying. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the fact that they weren't afraid to have these kind of s- slower, more intimate uh, relationship scenes, emotionally driven, I was not expecting. And for me, I, it's really not one that I think kids, it's not made for kids. And that's not to not say that all. it's super dark or whatever, even though it has little flashes of appropriate darkness. It's more that it's just like they've made it for Adults, they've made a very mature, rounded, you know, ending to a something that was unprecedented mm-hmm. in in cinematic history, which is it started with one movie that they were building up to the Avengers to have an ensemble cast and an interconnected universe that now everyone wants to do, and they've 
they've done it in such a way that I wasn't expecting. I actually worked hard to keep my expectations not low, but like curbed. I didn't want to go in with the high expectations. I didn't want to go in super jaded either, but I worked hard to kind of keep it at like, you know, I'm expecting it to be three stars sort of thing uh, because that's the best thing you can hope for. I didn't think Infinity War was particularly amazing. I didn't hate it. It's like three, three and a half stars for me. Um, yeah, similar for me. I I thought Age of Ultron was probably the weakest one out of all of them. But Oh, yeah, out of all the Avengers movies. Out of all the Avengers yeah. movies, yeah. Sorry, I should have made that distinction. But, yeah, Infinity War was a bit slow, whereas this is just, you know, bang, 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 bang. There is You don't get a moment to lull or take a breath, really. There's always something happening and there's always – a story being told and everything happens for a reason. Like every scene is for a reason. And I'm I'm finding increasingly that that's not the case, especially with longer films where there's just so much you get to the end of it and you go, fuck that, like 25 minutes could have easily been cut from that film and it would have made no difference. Oh, it would have we, made a positive difference. A positive, right? Oh, a positive yeah. difference, yeah, but no difference to the story being told. And no. uh, that's certainly not the case with, with this final instalment. But let's be honest, I think – in terms of US summer blockbuster, you know, prime time for films, Avengers Endgame is really just keeping the seats warm for the real hero, which is Detective Pikachu. Oh, you're I'm, I'm that movie I'm, of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to smash the movie that when I last checked today on Box Office Mojo, which is Sunday, it was at 646 million worldwide, I want to say. And that's only counting the Friday numbers in the States. I think it's going to crack a billion in its opening weekend worldwide. Yeah, well, double it for Detective Pikachu is all I can <laughs> no, say. No, triple it. <laughs> no, look, that is going to I'm, – I'm really excited about it because, you know, I never grew up. So anything, po- anything Pokemon, I'll just probably – especially this kind of thing, like this live action rendition of it, it's going to be super weird. But Ryan Reynolds is involved and – I I I'm very familiar with the subject matter, so I think I'll I'll still have fun even if it's really crappy. <laughs> but I don't think it will be. I don't. I think it'll be okay. I was super worried about being a massive Star Wars nerd, and Katie's clearly beating me on both comics and Pikachu fronts right now. Sorry, <sighs> Pokemon fronts right now. Excuse my uh, Pokemon faux pas. I only uh, know Pokemon for my work. I write for K-Zone and I've had to learn a lot about Pokemon. Um, it's not really my kind of game. I hope there aren't kids listening. There shouldn't be. We swear a lot. No, no. Don't let your fucking kids listen. <laughs> no. <laughs> and if you tuned out just then, it's your fault. <laughs> no. Uh, the game, like, do you mean the, the, like, the game game, like as in the one that everybody in your age group has been playing since – the 90s as in Pokemon yeah. Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Emerald, blah, 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 whatever. Yep. Okay. So you you were never a fan of that because it really, it pretty much is the same game over and over again in a different cartridge with a few more worlds and animals to catch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was never on my radar. Okay. All right. That's fine. But in terms of Endgame, mm-hmm. I was very much like you. Four and a half. I give it four and a half. Sorry. Yes. Whatever I said before, God damn it, Nathan. Iron Man is a real superhero, you idiot, uh, out of five. I'd mm-hmm. settle on four and a half pretty easily. I only have what amounts to at this stage are minor gripes, which I can't go into because they're spoilers. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about that at a, in a later, much later episode to make sure that everyone's seen it because you don't want to ruin something that's been 10 years in the making. No. But like Katie said, 
very emotional reaction to the point where I'm distrustful of it. And I'm distrustful of it because of the movie we're about to talk about, which is The Last Jedi. Now, I got to see the premiere with a friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Ray Bannerman of Movie Weekly. What a legend designed our logo. It's Thank amazing. you, Ray. You're the best. He's awesome. He took me as his plus one. Thank you, Ray, again. Uh, and I'd already bought tickets to see it at midnight with Katie and some of our friends. We have Star Wars Day the next day. We'd already booked in to see a morning session as well. Uh, so I was basically seeing it three times. Mm -hmm. Now, credits roll on The Last Jedi. It's finished. Ray turns to me and says, what did you think? And I said, it's beautiful. It is second only to Empire Strikes Back. Now, whoa, what? What? Uh, you can't see Katie's face. I wish we had cameras here. We're supposed to <laughs> what? Face, which is absolutely Naomi, accurate. what? Because the worst thing that I could have done was to do what we do every year, which is to watch it three times in the space of 24 hours. Yeah. So I had problems the first time I saw it, but like we talked about with Endgame, the emotional component. I mean- Simple little things like seeing Carrie Fisher, you know, and yeah. her having her her moment that people shit on, you know, Mary Poppins in space, which is a hilarious comparison. But for me, having never seen Leia flex her force powers and thinking that, oh, my God, she's she's gone? Like, that's how they're taking her out? And then she comes back. Like, that to me was absolutely moving. And I thought she was fantastic in it. It was so good spending more time with uh, Luke. Mark Hamill's, well, I was going to say Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker, but he's pretty much of the hashtag, not my Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And so am I. Anyways, we'll come back to that. Just on the Carrie Fisher part, though, yeah. um, with the space death thing, and I should point out now that this is very much spoiler territory. All of our episodes are spoilers. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Warning. Warning. This podcast contains spoilers. Press pause and go watch the film before proceeding, if you care. Okay, so with the, the Carrie Fisher death scene, or, you know, death fake out, I guess you could call it, where you think that she's just going to freeze in space, a lot of people are like, oh, that's how she, you know, that, she should have, that should have been her death. She should have had a very moving, sad death and that should, you know, she just freezes in space and doesn't come back. I think that would be a terrible way to end such an a, important character in film history and sci-fi history and pop culture history. <laughs> I think that would be a terrible end for her. But the the argument that shits me to tears more than anything else, probably, in not in maybe not in the world, but certainly for this film, is the argument of, oh, Leia can't do that. Oh, she's not a fucking Jedi. Oh, it's the feminists. The feminist power got her back into the fucking spaceship. Oh, like this is so fucking stupid because of all the things that you could criticize about Ryan Johnson's work, this does not, this is canon. She is force sensitive. This is from the book of Jedi. She, yeah. she is force sensitive. This is the first time, as you said, that she gets to flex her muscle in that way. And you know what? It's easy to say that she should have died then and there when Carrie Fisher herself had already passed by this stage. I'm sure they had that discussion. Well, But they I'm came sure. to the same conclusion that you did, which is like, we've got an easy out here. Yeah. But also, actually, they, they would have had to reshoot a bunch of stuff, I imagine, because if she went out like that and nobody's reacting to it, like 
because nobody's talking about her being dead and they're just like, yep, well, that's it. She's gone and nobody's mourning her loss or anything. They would have the problem that they had with um, The Force Awakens, yeah, which is nobody properly mourned Han's death. No. And that was like J.J. Abrams even said, my biggest regret with the last, damn it, I'm going to get these confused all the time, with The Force Awakens is that I didn't have Leia hug Chewie. Yeah. I needed that. I needed that too. Uh, and Mark Hamill basically said what what I thought, which was um, these people who've known Han for 20 minutes or 30 minutes in cinematic time uh, were the ones who were mourning, mm. like who were crying. And I'm like, you don't know him. You don't know Han. You don't know him back from, you know, episodes four, five, and six. Like, no. who the fuck are you? And then <laughs> Chewie walks straight past Leia, yeah, and she gives a hug to the the chick who's known. Oh, yeah, it's five all right. minutes. Yeah, he's, he's my husband, and we had you know unfinished uh, business. And I told him, and my own child killed him. Yeah, and I told him <laughs> to go and get our son back because there was good in him. Yeah, like holy shit! The like, I don't mind that that happened. I think that is incredibly fertile ground to deal with. That, I mean, of the many problems that I have with the Last Jedi, they did not address. In episode eight, where was Leia lamenting some little moment where she was able to go and like have a quiet cry by herself or something and go, I fucking sent my husband to get killed by my son. But this is the fundamental flaw in the whole damn movie is that no character is fleshed out properly. Nobody is doing every. It's all just surface level crap that isn't explored properly. It's it, there's too many people in the cast. There's too much going on, and they're trying to do too much with too little time. Especially for those huge, like cornerstone moments that fundamentally change everything in the universe. You know, aka Luke Skywalker's demise. Nothing is explored with enough with enough depth. There's just too much going on, and and that is another reason why. Like, and and you know, the maybe the argument with uh, Leia coming, like using the Force to to get back to the ship. I think cinematically that wasn't handled very well. Like right. it it got a couple of giggles from the audience uh, in what should have been a very like chair gripping. Oh my god don't tell me she's dead sort of moment. And it was like as soon as she started flying back towards the ship, I I thought that looked pretty, you know, it it didn't, I I don't think it it carried itself well. It looks better on paper than it did in execution, I imagine. Yes. yes, I didn't, I don't know about Katie, but I didn't go and read the Last Jedi script. I didn't either. Um, And it's one of those instances where I I think I've said in, in a recent episode that, it's it's dangerous to judge a script from the movie, and it still is to a certain extent, but what we have here is a writer-director. Mm-hmm. So what we have here, short of massive studio intervention, is someone who has got to write it and then shoot it. Mm-hmm. So they have been able to execute their vision. Yeah. And that's the that's the problem i think like there was just so much going on so many stories to tell so many new characters and all of them really like you've got your legacy characters of course where there's a huge gamut of things that you already know about them you don't nobody needs to have a character study on 
Luke Skywalker, on Leia Organa, even Ray to a certain extent. Well, we've already had quite an in-depth film about her. You don't like there's enough there to connect with her, I think. I have other issues with her character, which perhaps I'll go into later, but there's enough there with some of the characters and so many that are doing so many things that you there there is barely time to catch your breath, let alone get to know who they are and what they stand for. There was just so much of that going on that it's it's absolutely no wonder to me that people had a whole bunch of issues, felt confused, felt bombarded with a bunch of political stuff. But mind you, like hold on to your neckbeards because <laughs> fucking Star Wars has always been a political series. Yeah. It is literally about a galactical civil war, people. <laughs> when I think about, um, you know, the absolutely iconic heroines of sci-fi, Leia, Ripley, and Sarah Connor. Yep. They're the three go-tos, and I don't even as a kid remember who was watching action movies that were all men because that's what they were yeah. back then with the rare exception. Um, and then sci-fi was this space where like, but it was so normal. It, I never stopped and thought, why is it, why not Prince Leia? <laughs> why is it Princess Leia? You know, why yeah. aren't they going to rescue a dude? Oh man, too many chicks up in this shit. Like they, no. they because they were well written characters. Yes. Now when you get to The Last Jedi and you deal with characters who aren't well written, Mostly across the board. Now, you mentioned earlier that you didn't think that anyone kind of had a, you know, like a was had a journey or an arc or whatever. Not really. I didn't. I didn't think so. I I think they they wasted Kylo Ren in that film. Like, I disagree. I thought Kylo and Ray were the ones that actually were the focus and had arcs because he goes from shit kicker underling looking to prove himself to Snoke to supreme leader. Like his arc is, yeah, true. Even his yeah. plot, the plot of his arc is pretty good. Ray goes from "I need to find the last Jedi, the only hope." Realizes that he's a fucking sham. He's a joke of a character. He's basically um, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow in the latest Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which was just depressing. It was like, why is he still here? Like he yeah. is, he he's is done. a sad character clown of his own character in his own movie. Yeah. Like, move him the fuck aside, which Disney is doing, by the way, when they either hard reboot or soft reboot. Like, there's more Pirates movies coming, but they're not going to have Johnny Depp in them. Yeah, right. And I don't think they need to anymore. I don't think he is um, as essential as, say, having Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones for now. And we know that Disney didn't buy Indiana Jones as part of its Lucasfilm deal to have, what, one more movie with Harrison Ford they want to make a franchise out of it. That's what they do. And I'm okay with Indy being recast as long as they do it right. Yeah. But one more movie with him is cool. And then it's going to be a lot of nerd rage at whoever they cast. It doesn't matter if they fucking cloned him. Well, actually, that would probably be the only way. Anything short of cloning, they have a clone of Harrison Ford growing up ready to yeah. play Indiana Jones uh, is going to make people disappointed. Now, I think those two characters were well-treated. Sorry, Ray and Kylo in The Last Jedi, but nobody else was. See, I quite like the Kylo Ren character, so I kind of wanted more from him and I felt that the whole story was distracting away from that, like, sort of A plot, I guess you could call it. So there was, like, the subplot. There was, like, the, the you know, your your B story with Finn and Rose, which we can explore we can explore in further detail but for me that was the worst so what part. was the a story for you well the a story was kylo and ray's 
Yeah, uh, and it should have been. Deliverance, I guess. You could say. But it wasn't really, was it? Like no, the A story was them getting chased. Yeah, but it was the slowest. called chase sequence. The slowest space chase Whereas in the Whereas the A universe. story should have been what you said. Yeah. It should yeah. have been but more. That was, it, it was my A story. Right. It was my A story, yeah. and But I've, I've probably incorrectly identified it as the A story of the film because it really wasn't. No, I haven't really thought about it. I think it should have been the A story because, like, the problem that you have of J.J. Abrams not either directing or being the godfather of this new trilogy is that you had him end on a massive fuck you point to the next writer and or director, which happened to be the same person. He's ended it at a point that requires closure. Star Wars doesn't do 20 years later. No. You know, oh, we'll give an opening scene and then we'll cut to 20 years later. Like Star Wars, and I hope they change that in the future, to be honest, because it seems to be very limiting. Like, Poor, I actually feel sorry for Ryan Johnson in this regard. He had to start that movie in terms of its time immediately after the end of The Force Awakens. He yeah, had to. Yeah. We needed closure on the fact of whether fucking Luke grabs the lightsaber yeah. or he smacks her in the face or he it, ignites it, it or we needed closure on that moment. And he should have done that at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah, and, you know, it was it was almost like, you know, previously on Star Wars, like yeah, was they reshot? They know, reshot that. They did, yeah. 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 Um, but just to sort of finish the, I guess the the synopsis of the stuff that I'll I'll go into uh, later is that I, I think that the, the problem has been incorrect. Well, the the problem with this film that has been identified by so many is that it's too political. It's gender politics. It's identity politics. It's feminism all this stuff like it's it's not there there are a lot of female characters injected into this film and each and every fucking one of them is not fleshed out properly apart from the ones you already know but like, that is a bad issue with the film it is across the board an example in my opinion of um bad writing of characters yeah because that's like, the problem not that they're women you mentioned earlier that, like, you didn't really need to have a big focus on Luke because we've already seen his story or whatever. But well, no, no, I, 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 it's not that we didn't need to have a big focus on Luke. It's just that we know him already, so we're more willing to forgive the poor writing because we can make up the gaps ourselves. We already know who the, we already know him. I fundamentally, but that, that, that was going to be my point. I fundamentally disagree with that because there is a Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker who had. Sp- hope in fucking space Hitler, a.k.a. Darth Vader, that this guy's going to come right to the point where he was willing to take himself out of the equation almost in a battle that he surely could have helped on to help a cause that he surely could have been doing more than just going up and having, you know, duking it out. Um, No, there's 100% more you could have done with him. But he is the most hopeful character and suddenly he's become this hermit like, I need recluse. Yeah. I don't think that they earned that. No, there is no okay. way that they yeah. earned this turn. Like, oh, you didn't read the fifteen books that we haven't written yet on how <laughs> Luke went from the most hopeful person in the galaxy to the most hopeless yeah. person in the galaxy. Nope, you cannot cut to that bullshit. Now, I have read that the original ending of The Force Awakens. Yep had Luke Skywalker so fucking powerful in the Force that he couldn't even control it and there's like rocks and shit floating around him right. just to show that he is like God tier now. That I could buy. Yeah, Instead, yeah. we've got a guy who's decided to cut himself off from the Force and you cannot have Luke cut himself off from the Force because the only reason he would is because he has no hope. 
So yep. I don't think his character was written well. I don't think that. Well, no, he's not. But it, we're more. Will, I'm, all I'm saying is that we we do have a shape of him already. Whereas, like Rose, who is just so like that poor actress, she had absolutely nothing to work with, and that character was so hollow. Like we we don't we don't know anything about her, and we don't give a shit about her because she's brand new and isn't explored well enough at all in the material that we were given. I actually didn't mind her. No? Well, I absolutely feel sorry for the, the act, actress. And there is no, like, the same reason Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, deserves zero shit slung at him because he was a- It's not his fault. He didn't write it. He didn't direct it. Yeah. He came in and played a character, and he played that character well because that's what George Lucas wanted. Yep. He didn't come in and go, nah, George, you've written a serious character. Let me show you how to swing. So he deserved zero of the stank. Same as- um. I'm blanking on his name. The Jake Lloyd, the kid who played Anakin. Yeah, and and Hayden, and, Christ- and Hayden Christensen. None of these <laughs> actors deserved anything. Now, if you can watch episode one and see Natalie Portman, who a went on to become Academy Award winning Academy uh, Academy Natalie Portman, and b Natalie Academy 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 <laughs> reset uh, and wind back to her first part in Leon the Professional, where she deserved a fucking Academy Award for her performance. You have a clearly talented actor, and then you have suddenly, why is she talking like, I am a robot? No, Obi-Wan, I do not think. Is that because she suddenly forgot how to act in the middle of her career? Or, "Hmm, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold the phone, idea coming. Is it George Lucas? Yeah. And you see the George Lucas cheese start, at Return of the Jedi. You see it when Chewbacca is going, when he's swinging to an ATST for no reason. You see it with droids being tortured in Jabba's palace and going, like, and then cut to farcical music. You see it with Boba Fett screaming like an idiot and then the Sarlacc burping when it eats him. The cheese started creeping in in Return of the Jedi and then it just kept going for the prequels. Yep. Right? But everybody kind of knows that the prequels are shit. Yep. And the fact that people are now going back and using The Last Jedi as an example to defend the prequels, I fundamentally disagree with because <laughs> I don't love The Last Jedi, but I don't hate it either. It did some stuff really well. It, You know what? It did taking fan expectations and doing the complete opposite really well. My thoughts after The Force Awakens were... People say, what do you think of it, Nathan? I said, well, it's super derivative. It is a rehash of, you know, Star Wars A New Hope with occasion, you know, with little bits of Jedi in there and little bits of Empire in there. They have done the safest, safest thing that they can do, Disney. And I think the re- and I said the reason they're doing that is because you've people forget we've had three questionable, terrible to questionable to average um Star Wars prequels. We've seen that Star Wars is not a equal quality. We've had three movies that were great. And then we had three movies that weren't great. They wanted to show that not only did they get Star Wars, they wanted to show that Star Wars could be done the right way. And they wanted to show that they were the right people to do Star Wars because they got what made a good Star Wars movie. The Force Awakens is a good Star Wars movie. It's not great. It's not amazing. Uh, It hits the right beats. It's good because it is quintessential Star Wars. It hits all the beats that everybody wanted. It is a people pleaser of a film. It is a $250 million fan film. Yes. And that's okay. Uh, like, uh, but as, I said, as a reintroduction to the series, it's perfect. Yeah. But my the point I was going to make is that 
I, when people said, what did you think? I said, I like it, but I'll probably like it less if episode eight is just a rehash of Empire Strikes Back. Now, Ryan Johnson, love him or hate him, did not do a rehash of the Empire Strikes Back. No. Despite having been put in a position where he had similar things to work with, with an, um, a Luke Skywalker character who was playing a Yoda role, who had you know, exiled himself to somewhere and was clearly going to be the reluctant teacher who teaches someone. That's already a setup for like, oh, you're getting close to Empire Strikes Back territory, but not his fault. Not his fault that he was in that territory in the first place. That's JJ. Yeah. JJ put him there. JJ really should have signed up to do all three movies, either as a a writer or co-writer or he should have plotted it out and they should have committed to that vision because the stories that you hear from behind the scenes is that Ryan Johnson was allowed to do what he wanted. Like Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, said that. Ryan Johnson said that. Mm-hmm. And that to me seems bizarre that you would take a – you would rebirth a saga that you intend on ending at nine and you would introduce so many like kind of random on the – what feels like random on the fly elements. Mm-hmm. But then you'd also – do weird stuff like break things that didn't need to be broken. Like they broke hyperspace. Yeah. Like hyperspace can now be used as a weapon and nobody's thought to do that before. The Empire, the place that enslaves people, didn't just go, hey, yeah, you're a TIE fighter pilot now. We're going to give you a hyperdrive and your thing and and you can just go smash into rebel ships and we'll win. We'll just commit 100 ships, make them all go into hyperspace and we'll wipe out a fleet. Yeah. Like are you telling me that nobody thought to do that? And nobody had the technology to do this remotely so that they didn't even lose one <laughs> Well, why, one didn't, why didn't they send a robot to do it? Yeah. Like, I love 3PO, even though he no, made no, me. No, don't, don't. He, he must be protected at all costs. But if you want to talk about emotional stakes, like yeah, yeah. Heldo comes in, that's the purple haired lady, who's the, who's the actress's name? Holdo, uh, Jurassic Park lady. Jurassic Park, yep. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Jay, Jay Park. Uh, we're going to call it Jay Park from now on, <laughs> not to be confused with Ray Park, who played Darth Maul. But <laughs> Jay Park, even if she was the most amazingly written character, and she wasn't. No. Uh, she did not earn in her appearance at like, you know, half an hour into the movie to her death at, I don't know, half an hour before the end of the movie, her hour and not even full hour of screen time, there was no way she was going to earn a death that everyone was going to be like, you know, wiping away tears and saluting her. You go. Like that had to be someone of meaning. And 3PO, we care about 3PO. That would have meant something at least, right? Or uh, if it oh was- Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose it's my job, sir. Yeah. No, I, I really don't want to do this. Uh- and it's like, just do it. And, yeah, that would have been horrible. But the bad writing is consistent. This is for the the neck beards. I'm bringing back the the neck beard. Yeah, know. I've got a lot to say about it. Oh, so no, we're gonna bring it, bring we're gonna stay on this for a while. But like the problem that I have because it was introduced to me the oh I had a real problem with the feminist agenda, Nate. I'm like, sorry, the what? The fem- <laughs> you know how they you know yeah. they had like these females in leading roles. I'm like like Princess Leia. Sorry, I'm sorry, General Leia. That's my bad. Uh, and they were like, no, 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 she's cool. I'm like, well, obviously she's been there since the beginning. I'm talking about Haldo and and Rose and and I'm like and and that's it. So two, they brought in two new, and then yeah, they were like terrible. And Haldo was bossing around dudes, and I'm like, Leia bosses around dudes like all the time. Like, and what it boiled down to once you got past the bullshit was, and it's what I hinted at earlier, they'd brought their own politics into it and interpreted bad writing or I didn't like that character, which is genuinely a fine reaction. 
I cannot. You can say that you hate Hannibal Lecter. Katie would never say that, by the way, until she's blue in the face. And um, I can try to argue with her with every point, every poignant point. And at the end of the day, if she says, I, but I don't like him, I can't debate that. If you didn't like Haldo, cool. I didn't like Haldo, but I didn't then go. I think it's Haldo, isn't it? I don't know. Haldo, Haldo. Jay Park. That's Jay Park. That's how good she is. J-A-Y. And she's an amazing actor as well. Uh, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. (laughs) I finally remembered it. I didn't even look it up on my phone, by the way. I need five points for that, please. In your face, five points to Katie. We now have a scoring system. (laughs) Here's my movie, and I'm already feeling behind. (laughs) But that was bad writing, and it was bad writing for Luke, and it was bad writing for Poe fucking Dameron as well. Now, he, in my opinion, is the the, the worst offender of bad writing. Now, this is a guy who goes from hero ace in The Force Awakens, right? He is like Luke Skywalker's flying ability put into Wedge Antilles, which was a side character in the original trilogy, who you knew was good, but you never really got to see him be amazing. Yeah. So he was that idea put into a character. And he, you know, he was a kick-ass pilot. I'm like, I like this guy. Poe Dameron is he's this charming, like doesn't give a shit. He gets shit done. He kind of breaks the rules. And then you go to the start of The Last Jedi, where not only does he disobey orders, which I guess is fine, it sets up tension, he gets their entire fucking bomber squadron wiped out. They are not, like, rich in uh, bombers or fighters or anything. He gets most of their fucking air force wiped out in one move to take out one ship that is dumb, and his only punishment for it is Leia slaps him and says, don't do it again. Now- through the rest of the movie, he is openly mutinous. Yep. And we'll come back later to why the mutiny was dumb because there is no reason why Haldo, 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 Jay Park, didn't, <laughs> um, did not tell her plan to the people. There's no reason. So they artificially created a space where mutiny could happen. So he was mutinous. He led a mutiny. And then when it comes time when he gets, you know, the mutiny ends and it turns out that she's doing the right plan all along. I'm like, holy shit, there are going to be some fucking repercussions for this, right? Like he's going to be court-martialed. He, he might even be shot out into space and executed or he's going to be demoted through the floor. No, nope. Leia and Haldo have a chat and go, yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah, but we like him. And that's it. Yeah. We like him, writes him out of all of this tension that you'd built up. And and that's this is part of why the the, the problem that, you should have with the film is not gender politics or feminism or, oh, it's just a fucking neo-Marxist SJW shitty film. Ah, <laughs> ah, neckbeard rage. It should, like, that's fine. You can think all of that, but it's all poo. Like It doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. Hold up. You are allowed to hate all of the female characters if you want to. You can hate all of the male characters. You can hate every character. That is not the issue. It's putting a your political feeling and seeing what you want to see in a film that uh, what I see and, and what these people see seem to be fundamentally different. What I see is a whole range of poorly written characters with ill-thought-out motivations that are all trying to find their way in a very murky storyline. Yeah, it it is poor characterization and structure that is the the huge flaw in this movie that weakens the position of everything around it. 
And if you want to make an argument about the feminist agenda influencing a movie, yeah. you'd have a better time with the Ghostbusters female reboot. Now, I'm not even saying I agree with that. I'm just saying you would have a better time yeah. making that argument in a space that was traditionally all men and is now is all women. You would probably focus well, so it's only it. when you say now it's all women it's only all women in that film like it's they're not the ghostbusters forevermore is not girl power gal time oh, no. it was just one oh, no. oh my god no please i'm not movie. agreeing with these people. oh oh <laughs> i know i know i know but i'm just it just blows my mind that people are seeing what they want to see Politically, we're in a, a pretty tumultuous time. I don't want this to be a political podcast. But, no, um, but it needs to be called out. But, but the done. thing is, is that the Star Wars, like I said before, every single goddamn Star Wars film, book, comic, game, they're all they all have a political element because it's all about good versus evil and a civil war and different political battles. Yeah. That is that is the whole premise of the universe. Yeah. And the Star Wars are political wars. For anyone who's <laughs> cracking their knuckles, getting ready to write me a massive dissertation. No, on, it'll be about me because uh, I have a vagina. I, well, that's all right. That's true. That's well, fine. Anyone who I don't give a shit about your dumb problems anyway. Anyone so. who briefly mentions me in the rant at Katie for daring to be a woman, <laughs> you fucking unsung hero, you. Uh, when you mentioned the bit about how I'm wrong about Heldo and it is important that she's a woman and blah, 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 a lot of people argued that it should have been Admiral Akbar who was that role. Now, okay. he, he got an unceremonious death alongside Leia, not that Leia died. He was on the bridge when they all got sucked out into space. Yeah. And it had to be meant, like, you know that they fucked up because they literally had to mention that Akbar died. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know he was up there at the time. Oh, shit. So he's basically had an off-screen death as far as I'm concerned. And that is terrible. Now- that is a That is so fun. That is- such a terrible way to end a beloved character. Yeah, look, I have my issues with that, but my point, the point that I want to make is that if you give all of uh, Jay Park's lines <laughs> and her role to Admiral Akbar, it's still bad writing. Yes, like, it it's is. It's still a bad character. Yes. It's still artificially created drama. That is the result of bad leadership. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and just to take all the f gender politics out of it, Here's the thing, is The Force Awakens, Poe Dameron was painted then and again in The Last Jedi as a fairly rogue, irresponsible, irrational flyboy yeah. that was more interested in bang, bang, bang than using his brain a lot of the time. More interested in bang, bang, banging Finn. Uh -huh. Oh, yes, yes, the gay thing. Um, but the this is... That is his <laughs> – that is his – I'm sorry, I was just thinking about that and I got a bit uncomfortable um, because I'm homophobic. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> because I'm a very visual person. Um, <laughs> it wasn't very sexy for you? Not, not really, no, oh. no. Because Finn to me is like – he feels like he's about 12. I know he's not, but I, I see him as like a child and I was, I was a bit grossed out. But I know he's like 25 or something probably, 30, 50. 80. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> I just assume everyone in Hollywood is like 40, yeah. including, you know, the, the cast of Stranger Things. I'm like, well, those 40-year-olds look young. Yeah. <laughs> but so he was already painted as this – he is the, the Han Solo replacement. Like, I don't know how this was – Finn. Uh, no, sorry, Poe Dameron. Right, yeah. Sorry, Poe Dameron was is, – is, is, he is the obvious Han Solo replacement for this – 
new wave of stories to tell. So wait, that makes Ray Luke. Yes. And who's Finn? Leia. <laughs> oh no. Should we? No, should we still there? All right. BB eight. He's B- Finn is BB eight. <laughs> Dickhead. No. <laughs> you asked me who Leia was and I was trying to make a joke. No. Um the so you've you've got a, a, a roguish disobedient person. Now let's just establish for just a second that no matter who was in the role of J Park slash Laura Dern slash perps slash Hodor. Slash should have been Akbar. <laughs> slash should have been Akbar. Uh it doesn't matter who that is. That position is several above Poe Dameron's position. Yeah. She has every right to keep plans from him and to be in discussion with people that aren't him yes. about anything to yes. do with that. And guess what? Both characters fuck it up. Yeah. She, those plans, she fucks them up. Poe Dameron, he, he fucks up. You've already explained that he was responsible for the deaths of several people. These are deeply flawed characters, both the men and the women, if we're going to look at the gender politics angle of it, of which I don't see one, they all make mistakes. It's not – there was this bubbling rage that I could see in so many comments that I've tried to burn from my memory with kerosene about – how it was all a big feminist thing, and this because Kathleen Kennedy had a shirt that said the force is female, so of course, of course, that <laughs> meant that this was a feminist, you know, a feminist text that was deeply embedded into the series to brainwash everyone into becoming an SJW. She didn't write it. No, she directed. She <laughs> She's just, it was just a T-shirt. Like, okay, she, she wants to celebrate that there were a few female characters. That's great. It's just a shame they were all written like shit. But do you see on her notes being like, Ryan, I, lo- I love the script, I love it, but can we just get more of the feminist agenda in there? Can no, we just make no. all the men dumb and the women really smart? And that doesn't happen. No. There are terribly written, well, they, they use dumb things like Haldo has no reason, none whatsoever, to not tell that one ship of people what her plan is because they have not set up anything to make her not want to tell people. She has a reason to not want to tell Poe. Now, her not wanting to tell Poe is fine because he's being blatantly insubordinate and she would have been waiting in the wings when he fucked up their entire squadrons of bombers and fighters. So she thinks that this guy is a fuckwit and that's cool. She probably also knows that he's popular with... The people, for some reason, even though he got all their friends killed, anyways. Yeah, but everyone's like, yeah, but that guy's got a great haircut. But, like, even if she didn't want to tell him, which, again, would have been fine and could have played into it, she should have told the rest of her bridge crew because he was so easily able to make a mutiny happen because this person did not want to communicate. No. Like, and for no fucking reason. I cannot stress that enough. It's not, well, she doesn't have to tell anybody anything. Well, no, she doesn't, but she can see that someone's being openly rebellious, that shit's getting mutinous, people are scared. She's in a position to steady the ship and she doesn't want to tell people just because she doesn't want to. Like that's, I would say that's a failure of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, she fucks up. She is flawed. And it's a combination of poor writing and the fact that it really doesn't matter what gender these characters are. It is not a power play for gender. It is a mission doomed to failure. And, you know, it's, it's, she makes an idiot move. So does Poe. This is, this is not 
gender politics playing out on the big screen for everyone. And, you know, it's I think we're so used to seeing a dominant male cast that I'm sure it is a little bit confronting to suddenly just have all these chicks show up and you go, oh, my franchise, you know. So I, don't, I, like, just, I don't understand. But I, don't, I don't understand that. The bit... The real problem that people should have with these movies is there's not enough aliens. Like, yeah. why is everyone of human or, sorry, yeah, yeah. Star Wars nerds, let me know that they're not humans. Whatever the humans are called in Star Wars land, why is it always just those characters congregating? Like, why don't we have more Akbars and things like that, like, well, yeah, in and main roles? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, alien lives matter, hashtag. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it seems farcical to me that these things were applied, and I guess it's it, it, it's understand. I'm trying to reason with an aggrieved audience here, and it is confronting because okay, Rogue One, you got one female character that really did anything at all, and she wasn't that well written. She either. wasn't there. She was passive for the first two thirds of that movie. Yeah, ah, but the prequels, you say, they're full of women. No, you get Padme and some background extras. Yeah, I'm really struggling to think of anyone of there's, significance beyond Padme. There's Padme and her assistant, I think, has two lines and then that's oh, fucking it. And there's a female uh, bounty hunter in the second one yeah. who's in it for about 20 seconds and then yeah. she dies. There's a couple of female Jedis who I'm pretty sure die. George Lucas, what is going on here? Well, he's there going, I've got a goiter. I hate my ex-wife. Fuck you, women. No, I don't know. Uh, Oh, (laughs) yeah, I think you can say many things about George, but probably not that. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, he's great. Um, It's just, look, I I actually think he's a a really good writer, but I think he had a lot of support from others to to create his universe that they, they probably go a bit unsung. Oh, they go massively unsung. If you yeah. look into like, it has always been the 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 weirdest thing for me to figure out how did George Lucas go from A New Hope to The Phantom Menace, right? How did yeah. that trajectory happen? And then you you research a little bit more into its surface level and you realize that he took a massive backward step after A New Hope became, and it wasn't even A New Hope back mm-hmm. then, but episode four, became the big massive runaway success that it was. He went off to, pun intended, create his empire, which was, you know, Lucasfilm and Skywalker Sound and all this stuff. So what he did was he, like JJ should have done for this trilogy, had his outline and gave it to very talented writers. Lawrence Kasdan wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and then gave them to different directors. Yep. Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. I don't think that anything can beat it. I want it to be beaten. I'd love Mm. to see someone try and come close. That movie is incredible for like a family movie and and a a sequel and also something that escalates the stakes and weaves in all of these new elements. The the first time you saw, you know, you see these videos of parents filming their kids the first time they see Darth Vader telling Luke that he's his father and what they did back then to hide that. Like they they put fake lines in the script I think it was I killed your father. Yeah. Like and so they hid it and that actually leaked to a newspaper. <laughs> so and then that on the day they go no actually here's here's your line. I think they even said it because they're redoing Darth Vader's voice with James Earl Jones in post. Yep. The actual actor said I killed your father or whatever and and on the day they're like all right Mark Hamill you know don't let this leak or whatever but here's the actual line and he's like what? Yeah yeah. Like this is massive. So before the internet and then worrying about leaks and all that sort of stuff, 
they were worried about that because they knew it was big and it was huge. And yeah. yes, George was making it up on the fly at that time. But the point is that he got, like you said, talented people. Now you go back to A New Hope and I'm thinking A New Hope is a solid movie. It's not a garbage fire. It's not like the Revenge of the Sith of the original trilogy. It's actually my least favorite, but like I still love it. I still think it's amazing. Me too. And when you learn, and he's writer-director, and you're like, well, what happened? And then you go and watch these documentaries and go down this crazy rabbit hole that I have, and then you learn that his wife at the time, who won an Oscar for editing, and holy fucking shit, did she deserve it? She certainly did, but I, he's, I reckon he's still bitter about that. <laughs> There's all these photos of him glaring at her while she's holding the statue at the awards. But that doesn't, make, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, that makes zero yeah. sense to me because she saved the movie in so many ways. George Lucas at the time, uh, if these articles that I read were are true was he was part of like a little bit of a, a rat pack of amazing directors Steven Spielberg Francis Ford Coppola yeah and I believe there was one other whose name eludes me he showed them a rough cut him and his wife as well was in there and they showed them a rough cut of Star Wars yeah and it had an opening crawl that was like the fucking Genesis in the Bible and <laughs> it mentioned Sith Lords and oh, all this backstory no. yeah. and they ripped it apart. I think Francis Ford Coppola even went off and wrote, rewrote the intro with someone else. Oh, like, really? Let's not have backstory. Let's keep it all present. Let's get it going. And they cut out stuff. They restructured and reordered sequences. So there's a little documentary on YouTube that please email me about it and I'll find it and send it to you, anyone who does, because it's amazing. That actually is like a breakdown of how they were able to save the movie, quote unquote, but with what they already had. The movie originally started with like, I think it was Luke looking up at the sky to see flashes. If he could and walk across it. To see if he could. And that's how he got his name. He's like, <laughs> I am a Skywalker. <laughs> but it started with him looking up at the sky with the flashes. And then we go up and see the space battle that is the iconic ships coming across the camera. And you're like, the first one comes over. You're like, it's a big ship. And then the Star Destroyer comes over and it just doesn't end. Like, how big is this fucking ship? Yeah. To the point where Spaceballs takes the piss out of it because it's like a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fly, which is amazing. But that opening is iconic. And yes, George Lucas had shot that and created that, but that wasn't his opening. So he deferred to incredibly talented people. And the uh, the Death Star run, which to me is the most amazing bit of that movie, and I'm seriously right now getting shivers mm. thinking about it, obviously because of John Williams' soundtrack, which is fucking amazing. But that original Death Star run was something stupid like Luke Skywalker takes a run at the trench and fucks it up, and then he takes another one and it doesn't work. And then the third time he gets it done. Like it was just that sort of thing. And then you see what his wife at the time cut and the tension and the stakes and the destruction of these other ships and the failed runs and and it just builds and it builds and it builds. And yeah. it's immense. It's an amazing sequence. And yeah. then you cut to things like Return of the Jedi. Again, he's a little bit more hands-on in this one. He's finished building his empire, but he's still not writing. He's still not directing. He's given an outline. By the way, originally wanted to have uh, Wookiees on Kashyyyk instead of fucking teddy bears, but <laughs> wanted to sell toys. Oh, that's a whole other rant that I won't do. But you have what has now become staple for action movies, which is the interconnected three-sequence fight thing at the end. So you've got Lando uh, taking on you know the the Tie Fighters and the he's doing the attack run on yeah. the Death Star. You have Han and Leia 
on the ground on Endor fighting to take the shield down so they can actually attack. And then you have Luke and Vader fighting in front of Palpatine. That was pretty uncommon. or That may even be the first instance where they seamlessly cut it between it in a way that makes sense. They ended on an amazing tension point and they cut to a lightsaber fight. They cut to a space battle. They cut to like that is potentially confusing, but these talented people make it work. Yeah. And it's, it's clearly a, a little bit of sort of by committee storytelling, I guess, but there must have been some tremendous chemistry among the people working on it because it it, it pays in it pays off dividends in massively. Carrie Fisher did notes as well. She absolutely did, and she was known as a a very talented script doctor, hands on script doctor. Yeah, and she was very in demand for those particular skills. She rewrote like she was nineteen when she started this franchise. Yeah, and she improved her own character she improved han immeasurably she was the one that came up with the what is it maybe the most one of the most famous lines in star wars of her saying to i love you uh, saying to han i love you and him replying i know i thought that was harrison ford was it ad-libbing on the set yeah was it well i've I've clearly read a different story to you well maybe not i could have i don't know I, i i was very uh, upset by Carrie Fisher's passing, so she did everything. Oh, well, then I will not continue this story, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, look, I, but I, I'm, I'm led to believe that there were several instances where she was, you know, putting red lines through dialogue and, and rewriting it. No, there is a, there is that. That is true. Empire Strikes yeah. Back. There's, I can't remember, if you go look for, you know, Carrie Fisher's notes on Empire Strikes Back script, yep. you'll find, I think there's one page that, They've put online or someone's leaked online, whatever it was, and it's her handwritten notes on a very simple dialogue exchange and the depth, like the the fucks that she gives <laughs> about what is effectively could have simply been just Star Wars jargon. You know how they have those lines and I think it's a bit about whether on the Millennium Falcon talking about uh, Lando, the Lando system and stuff like that and there's extra dialogue and she's just kind of cut it and then added alternative takes in parenthesis and you're like, this person – doesn't just care, but this is not an actor going hands-on and going, no, no, I know what to do here. It's like, hey, this might make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it absolutely does. Yeah. And, yeah, the world lost a, a great one that day. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's the thing that I, I guess I wanted to put across, like if we're going to do the, you know, here's my movie part, then here's my movie, Captain Phasma. Oh, yeah, we forgot about her and our I fucking didn't forget about her. The scriptwriter did. I didn't. Um, There's no reason to bring her back. <laughs> so we've got Captain Phasma. We've got Rose. We've got uh, Admirable. Uh, Ad- Admirable. Fuck. Admirable Akbar. Oh, I like fuck. That. No. Uh, <laughs> Admirable. <laughs> fuck. Wait, I'll do, I'll do the thing. You do the name. Okay, ready? Ready? <laughs> Admiral. Ah. Hold on, Ho- Hodor. 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 Look, I, I'm not. I'm not even going to edit this out because you need to hear how stupid I am. <laughs> Admiral. Gosh. Admiral. Holdo. You've got uh, Ray, who I'll go into in a in a second for why I think she kind of sucks a bit as well. But you, the, the, there are three characters there that are present in this film that copped a lot of stick. And it was mis- it was misdirected anger. If if anything, get angry at how they were written. Hundred uh, percent. And you know, we went from having one character to speak of that was female in every other film. Rogue One, you've got one. 
the prequels, you've got one. <laughs> you've got <laughs> you've got episodes uh, four, five, and six where you've got Leia and really not that much else. And you've gone from that to five or six prominent, poorly written female characters. It, I can understand how that may feel like some sort of feminist ambush, but it's not. It's what is commonly referred to by me and probably four other people on the internet as cast bloat, which is where you have far too many characters for the story that you're able to tell in the time. And the like half of them, I mean, spoilers, but half of them die without ever really doing much and really there's nothing to care about. The reason you don't connect with them isn't because they're female, it's because they suck ass. Like caps of toys, right? They it's just want to toy, sell like, toys. Oh, I've got to sell toys. Yeah, I'll yeah, hand like, you characters for no reason. Oh, buy your Captain Phasma fucking oven mitt. You know, like <laughs> seriously. Uh, yeah, she, Gwendolyn Christie is a fantastic actress, as we've seen in Game of Thrones. Uh, and I want to say also, uh, what was that show? Where she she played a New South Wales police officer. Have you watched it? No, I no, it's something. It. Uh, top of the lake. Top of the lake. Top China of the lake girl. To you. Yeah, <laughs> ah, top of the lake to you. Yeah, it's a top of the lake. The China girl. Uh, she's in that as a New South Wales police officer, which is really weird because you know we see New South Wales police officers here in our day to day, and it's like holy shit, that's Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, she's gonna bust me for jaywalking. Um, but <laughs> she. <laughs> No, but, um, no. But she, look, she's a fantastic actress. Of course, you would jump at the opportunity to be part of the Star Wars series. Why? Why? Like, why wouldn't you? It's Ugh. Insta fame. Well, that's a JJ fuck up again. Yeah, but right? she she does fuck all in Force Awakens. Yep. Quite literally, ends up in a trash compactor, and where her character belongs. Where her character belongs after doing not much at all. But JJ talked her up again. Someone Talked was like, who's again. your favourite character? And he said, oh, Captain Phasma. She's a badass. No, like, no. She gives orders to slaughter a village yep. of innocent people who are unarmed at that stage. And then she gets a gun put to her head. So she puts the shields down and then ends up in a trash compactor. That's her arc. Amazing. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. And she doesn't have that. She doesn't say much and doesn't really do much, but she doesn't have, she doesn't carry that same mystique that we talked about in the last episode, um, of a character like Boba Fett. No, but she's supposed to be the new she, Boba Fett. She's supposed to be the new Boba Fett and it does not work at all. It doesn't all. work. Uh, she's not, she doesn't have any mystery or uh, foreboding or tension about her where you think she might be dangerous. It's, she, it's, it's crappy characterization. You know what? She's in a badass suit. Yeah. I think that's what they relied on, that's, right? That's Basically, cool, I guess. It's the only thing she's got going for her. Very reflective. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice. Doesn't seem to protect her from much. No, no. Um, <laughs> the Last Jedi, she's of course she comes back and it's like, but it, and it's really, and and this is the other thing is like even I don't like Finn as a character much. I know you do, but yeah, I liked him in The Force Awakens particularly. Yeah, well, he gets much better stuff to do there. The, his B story in The Last Jedi with hand-in-hand with Rose and skipping off to the casino planet, which is just Uh the the worst goddamn thing about the whole film, I think. Yeah. And then- um, Let's all agree on that. Yeah, that that B story is terrible, and it's not either actor's fault. 
Um, it's obviously, worse because he's repeating the same arc from the Force Awakens. Yeah, exactly. That's like Finn by numbers in yeah. in the Last Jedi, and and it's crap. And he gets terrible lines. Like I, Captain Phasma says something when she arrives back on the scene, and it, they're fighting again, and she's like, "Oh, I'm I've returned." Blah blah blah. And it's something really hokey and on the nose and crappy. And then he has this really cheesy line that just made me cringe my skin off, which is. Let's go, Chrome Dome. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's stuff like that that really cheapens everything about the film and, and, and it's, it's full of stuff like that. Like as soon as you hit the casino planet, you, you get this downward spiral of just stuff that makes little sense, shouldn't be there or is poorly executed. And that's, that's one of the things that I notice the most. But Captain Phasma doesn't suck because she's female it's because they did absolutely nothing with this supposed, you know, eerie villain that you don't know, mysterious dark force that, you know, was that Finn was so terrified of. You know, why? Why? We didn't, we, we don't, the audience doesn't get to see why, just that he is. Well, she was his boss. That's it. That's the only thing established in the Force Awakens. Great. Okay. And she, I'm scared she just, of my boss too. But you could have written her out of the Force Awakens, and it would not have changed. No, and you could you could cut Phasma out of all of it, and nothing like nothing changes. Nothing is lost. Nothing is except lost. for a toy. Except for a toy, yep. which you can't tell is female. And so an oven I'm myth. sure that she yeah. sells better than the actual female toys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoops. Yep. Um, and so. Really crappy, not much not much going on there. Could have easily cut her out. But I will remind everyone that we're not sure she's dead, so she may well come back in episode nine and they may finally do something with this character. But at in my in my time, like in my mind, it's kind of irredeemable at this point. They've had two goes at it and stuffed it up. Yeah, well, there is no point in bringing her back just to kill her off again. Like, there is no point in bringing her back in the, the second movie, um, Last Shadow, to kill her off. Like, what is the point of bringing her back? Well, I actually, no, to be fair, I do understand another JJ fuck up that I feel sorry for Ryan Johnson for. Mm-hmm. Phasma was set up to be a badass who got to do nothing and people were disappointed about that. So I think he wanted to fix that for episode eight. What should have happened in um, Force Awakens is, and this is not like, this is an idea that I had that the basically the entire internet has had as well. So I'm not claiming this is the only person to think of this. He should have, uh, Finn should have fought her instead of that random traitor stormtrooper yep. in the Last Jedi. Nah, fuck, I did it again. In the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. <laughs> I fucking hate these fucking movie titles. Why can't they make them sufficiently different like the first six? The, 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 the. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if he'd fought her, then there would have been some stakes. She doesn't even need to die there. It can be set up as his ongoing nemesis to fight, just like, you know, Ray is going to keep fighting Kylo, I guess, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like It happened with Luke and Vader. There was an initial fight and then a rematch. We all want to see that. So they've brought her back so they could have the fight, Phasma being her, that they had the, the fight that they should have had in the last movie, in this movie, only for her to, to die. And there's a deleted scene that I think they should not have deleted, even though that movie is bloated. Like, you could cut half an hour of that movie and it would still tell exactly the same story mm-hmm. and more efficiently, uh, which is a, one of the pr- bigger problems of The Last Jedi. We really don't need to see tit milk, Ryan Johnson. I mean, I don't really- No, no, that was cringy as well. 
That's that, that's an example of an easy cut. The Casino Planet is an example of an easy cut, although you'd have to change the plot slightly to make that work, I guess. But um, if you're setting up a chase sequence, people, uh, Ryan Johnson, anyone else out there, and you have a timeline, like you've got a bomb, you've set up a bomb. It's like they're going to be caught in a certain amount of hours or they're going out of fuel. So there is a ticking clock. That's yep. a really, really actually good and powerful storytelling tool to make people sit on the edge of their seat and go, there is a definitive endpoint to this movie. Mm. They either somehow get out of this, the threat behind them gets destroyed, or they die. Yep. Okay, cool. You have my attention. And then when you have characters who seem to be there just because they're contractually obliged to at this stage mm -hmm. in this movie, more so than they're actually essential characters, in this instance, Finn and Rose because she goes along for the ride, um, and your plan, Poe Dameron, to save people because you don't believe in your leader, which is fine. Again, it sets up his character has been set up that way, as you said. Your plan is to go to a casino planet to hopefully find a guy who you know is there on that planet uh, <laughs> and you hope that he's at the craps table or whatever the Star Wars equivalent of the craps table is at that particular time that you arrive because you're on a there's a clock ticking, Yep. remember? So you don't have time to waste and you hope that the guy who's at the Star Wars equivalent of the craps table doesn't have the craps that day and he's back in his apartment <laughs> shitting himself or maybe he's a player who's picked up all of these alien chicks and dudes, why not? And he's having this massive orgy because he's just won big the night before. You hope he's there. and then that or, or the whole thing is useless. And you know what? He is there. And then oh, that's convenient. they get thrown into prison. They don't actually get to meet him. But what's more convenient is that there's a guy in the cell with them who happens to be exactly what they need. Like, that is <sighs> bad writing atop bad writing. Now, the Star Wars movies always have the out of being science fantasy, not science fiction. Uh, science fantasy meaning... You can say because magic, right? That's the difference between fantasy and sci-fi, sci in my opinion, is because in Lord of the Rings, you can say, well, Gandalf, how did you make uh, the big light come out of the sky? Because magic is a viable answer because he is a wizard, right? Yep. In science fiction, you can't say because blah, blah, blah. You've actually got to explain it in a certain way to stop people from disconnecting and to stay internally consistent with your world. Now, Well, otherwise everything can just be explained away with... Oh, well, you know, it's a new property that's been found in the thing and it makes me be able to do this and uh, the, then I can unlock the door, yeah. you know. It becomes a very convenient uh, buffer for any plot holes. Yeah, and what's worse is that they actually literally make a joke out of the point that I'm about to make in The Force Awakens. I have to pause before I say it now to run the title through my head so I don't fuck it up. When Finn, of all people says to Han Solo when they get to Starkiller base at the end, he says, the force will guide us. And Han Solo looks at him like the idiot that he is and <laughs> says, that's not how the force works. Now, if people are going to argue, well, the force guided them to the casino guy and he was there because will of the force, but then that didn't work. And then they went to prison and then will of the force, this other guy has exactly what they need at the exact time that they need him and they break out together. Then fuck you, because that is just lazy writing. Yep. Like that is, and the casino planet, more than anything, I mentioned toys earlier. The only reason that makes sense as a fucking plot device is to sell toys because they wanted a new planet with more aliens and more action, you know, flying things and 
dudes in suits with guns and they wanted to be able to like it's almost like if you're making a star wars movie there has to be x amount of new planets x amount of new characters x amount of new whatever and that's what that whole sequence that's the only reason that makes sense yeah and yet we lament the appearance of of not enough aliens because none of them are really established as anything to want to buy a toy of. So I, I am wondering who these people are that are going to rush out and buy a fucking Casino Planet character toys. Oh, look, can you let me know who you are, people out there, so that I can actively unfriend you or block you <laughs> on all social media? 100%. Who is buying that crap? I don't think any, like, diehard Star Wars fan, apart from the ones that must have one of everything. No. Like they're the only people I can see buying. It's those, a grand irony of a of a sequence that yeah. makes zero sense that adds nothing to the story, that actually makes a joke out of the the clock, the time bomb clock that has been set up in the plot structure. Yeah, which is also farcical, because for multiple reasons, the Star Destroyers uh, or the First Order fleet is chasing uh, ships. Now they have lots of other ships around the galaxy. For anyone who's played. Star Wars Battlefront 2's campaign, which is canon and runs in between the plot of or between these two movies, you actually see a map at some stage that shows where all of the First Order fleets are and they're all around the galaxy. There's like shitloads of them. This mm-hmm. is not the only fleet that they have. So they could literally get on the phone, space phone, and go, hey, hey, you guys are over in the next sector. Can you just like hyperspace in front of these ships and blow them the fuck up? Or why don't they have a couple of ships in their flotilla hyperspace in front and stop. They can track people through hyperspace. They can do this. They can set up a blockade. They can kill them. Now, people might not like that idea. So what they really should have done is just had an explanation as to why. And it could have been something as simple as hubris. It could have been, oh, no, we don't need that. Like, we can chase them down to the dogs they are. Cool. Well, yeah, because it's like since since Empire, they've been able to have that plan where they can track through hyperspace and do all that kind of thing. Didn't they? No. No, they kind of Easter egg set it up in Rogue One, but this is the first time that we've actually seen that. So, like, to me, they presented the idea of tracking through hyperspace as a problem so that you they can't just go, well, let's just jump back into hyperspace because then we're being followed again. Like, that's actually a cool device on the surface to set up for why they don't just keep hyperspace jumping away. Yeah, yeah, right. And yeah. they've been tracked through somewhere where they thought was safe. So that's cool little tension rising. So they could have dealt with that with a single line of dialogue. The bigger problem which is actually linked to, you know, the sequence where Akbar and Leia get sucked out into space, is that you have Kylo Ren and two of his TIE fighters or whatever the fuck they are in the First Order fleet fly ahead, clearly faster than the capital ships. They shoot rockets that punch through shields that do the damage to the bridge that sucks everyone out into space, and they destroy the hangar. Yep. So that was three ships that... Hux, General Hux, who's the the ginger gentleman whose name eludes me, apologies. Uh, not Brendan Gleeson, something Gleeson. He calls Kylo back and saying, you're getting, you're, we can't protect you. They've got probably 10,000 more of those that they could have just sent out to wipe this fleet out. Again, could be addressed with a line of dialogue. That line is actually problematic for the tension set up between Hux and Kylo because they're supposed to be at ends trying to be, you know, we want to be 
General Snoke's like the one that he loves the most. Mm -hmm. So they set up this little power play between them where they're trying to one up. Hux has got the perfect opportunity for Kylo Ren to be destroyed and he calls him back because he's getting too far ahead. Now, he could have a line again of dialogue saying like, I don't want him to take all the glory or something like that. Like, But they don't even address these. So they will do lines of dialogue like we're being tracked through hyperspace to address a thing of like, well, why don't you just jump away? So they address that with dialogue, but they don't then address the ludicrous and easy to fucking shoot apart thing of these ships chasing each other through space like it's some, I don't know, Benny Hill skit. <laughs> and then for some reason, lasers arc in space. Like, yeah. And again, it's science fantasy, not science fiction, but I never had to think about that before. And now I'm like, lasers have range and, and you have to arc the shot. Yeah. The, the, this just makes zero sense. But I did want to ask, how many Jar Jar Binks frozen in carbonite out of five would you give it? Two. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of more like two and a half, maybe three. There, there is a lot of negativity you'll hear in me and you would have heard in me already about this movie, but that's I recognize that a lot of that is fan. That is Star Wars fan, Nathan. That is expectations and and disappointments but there is a lot of stuff that i actually enjoy like yeah. the, the like i have to acknowledge that if it wasn't a star wars movie there would be bits that i quite like and i did like kylo and ray's interaction it was not enough even though it wasn't my luke skywalker i did like luke i thought he acted that really well i thought he was he was cool and he was interesting i did like yeah, the yeah. uh the lightsaber fight with Kylo and Ray, and it all falls apart when you when you watch it and you realize that the they didn't even bother fixing choreography where <laughs> these guards could have killed Ray at multiple points. But, and they just stand there. Well, they just pull their they pull their shots and and they should have just been like, okay, let's check the footage. No, 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 we need to do that again because this guy's clearly just pulled his punch for lack of a better term to make him not hit her. And it looks bad. And when you notice that, it's like glass shattering. Yeah, yeah. But that sequence in and of itself on paper, again, is fantastic. You take Snoke out of the equation, which I was disappointed about just because I wanted to know more about Snoke. But I'm not like super attached to him. I just thought, oh, well, they've taken him out like a chump. No, but he got all the mystique that was missing from Phasma. Yeah. He was the baddie that they were all talking about after the Force Awakens, yeah. where I was like, what's Snoke's deal? What's happening there? Oh, my God, is he this, is he that? And he went out like a chump as well. Yeah. and But that's unexpected, and that's okay. Like, that is that is bold. I'm okay with that one. I, I don't like that I have to go read a book or something to find out about more about the mysteries of him. But you know what? Maybe Episode Nine will answer that in some way if you read some of the crazy fan well, theories uh, out there. Yeah, yeah, like, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that my score improves once nine comes out because it'll expand on some of the things that have been laid out. But I mean, to Captain Phasma, they've really wasted her character. And I think that it's irredeemably. So at this point, she'd want to come back with a hail Mary in nine for me to care a fig about her. Um, Rose, didn't like her character, didn't think she, the poor actress had much to work with. Her and Finn's B story journey just was a complete waste of time. Uh, I would have preferred to see much less of that, much, much less of all the casino planet BS that we've just discussed in favour of more expansion of 
what I what we've established should have been the A story, which is Ray and Kylo, because they're the they're the ones with the the power to make or break this whole th- trilogy. Like this, yeah. if, if we're breaking it into a, into three trilogies, like they make or break this entire section of the story. They're the new Luke and Vader. Yes, and um, it's it, it could it could end up amazing, um, you know. And then we've got admirable fuck, admirable. <laughs> Admiral and uh, Holdo, I don't care anymore. Um, Holdo, who's just not admirable, not, not well written, and she dies anyway. And it's through her own poor actions that that tragedy has to happen anyway. So I don't really feel sorry for her there. No. Um, and Ray, the thing that I really want to say about Ray is, you know, she is very interesting. I think my my favorite scene in in all of force awakens uh, the last jedi yeah i know it's not easy no <laughs> it's not at all and you've got me thinking about it and then i stuffed it up that's fine uh in the last jedi was her her dream sequence where you see a row of clones and she clicks i thought you were going to say that yeah that's great that cinematically that's brilliant and it's beautiful it's also a cool tease it's and- a cool tease um and you know the, the luke skywalker unfortunately got really dogged and I think Mark Hamill would be the first person to say that because oh, he said yeah. that he fundamentally disagreed with every decision that had been made for that character and that must have been heart-wrenching for him to have to say goodbye. And full respect to him for putting in the amazing performance that he did yeah. despite disagreeing with where the character Yeah, and that went. doesn't mean that he wouldn't come back but he'd be a force ghost or a flashback. So... Oh, he's totally going to force ghost in episode nine. Yeah, totally. And it's he dis- he disappeared. Like if you disappear on death, it means you become a force ghost. Yes, that's a that's a thing. So yep. Yep. nobody's yep. going to be like, "What, Luke Skywalker?" No, no. And look, I hope that they give him the journey that he deserves through future films because it it, it really sucked to see him go out that way. And I wanted so much more, uh, and I, I wanted him to be around, but. You know, the, the, that cast has been through a lot, I think, and the loss of Carrie Fisher would have probably taken the wind out of everybody's sails a bit. And then you've got Harrison Ford, who's obviously not coming back and all that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how they treat it because I think he, I think Mark Hamill deserves a little more than he got, really. Well, um, I think Luke Skywalker does. And well, Luke Skywalker, yeah. And forget the fans, like, but that wasn't, like, they hadn't earned that Luke Skywalker. No. There was too too much shit that had clearly happened for us to go from, again, the most hopeful to the most hopeless yep. Luke Skywalker. And I would like to see that. St- I'd like to see that fucking trilogy. Like yeah, yeah. what happened to make him this way? And they were like, oh, well, I, I had this dark moment where I wanted to stab my nephew because I thought he was going to be the next Darth Vader. I'm like, if he becomes the next Darth Vader, then – you believe in him and turn him back like you did with the last Darth Vader. Like yeah. you are the perfect person to be to see that, identify it, and then nip it in the bud, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and instead we've, we've basically got Rey and Kylo carrying the franchise now, and I think they're both very capable actor, actor and actress to do so. Daisy Ridley's very good. Yeah. And uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver, yeah. Adam Driver is 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 great in everything that I've seen him in. He's as, very, very as, talented as well. So, I, I do look forward to that. But the thing that my problem with Ray, uh, I like the character, but she gives me the shits because she's in in 
the same way that we we've talked about Captain Marvel being OP, so is Ray. Uh, I don't believe that she's earned her perfection. She's sad and has a, a dark past as an abandoned orphan who whose parents who, of of the identity of which she she doesn't know or can't remember have sold her. You know, apparently, apparently, uh, according to. Kylo. Kylo, the most honest and, man in the galaxy. Yeah, so with no agenda. <laughs> yeah, with no agenda whatsoever. You know, join me. I'll teach you how. No, to your do parents everything. were. You know, they were really cool dudes. I know them. I'll take you to them now. Versus, no, I want to make you doubt and tempt you to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know if that's true yet. Um, so she's she's got those flaws, but she she doesn't stuff anything up. She doesn't have any of those moments where, like, just like you said, like. The, the characters that she's fighting and the guards and everything, they're pulling their shots and she's winning. This is someone who is certainly adept at looking after herself and street combat is something that she is good at. Yeah. But she's only just wielding Jedi powers and she's doing it with masterful precision despite not really having had them for very long. Requires further explanation, please. It, yeah, it requires... <laughs> citation needed. Yeah, citation needed. Uh, and... I believe we have to pay attention to accents within the Star Wars universe. Uh, yes. So we have Daisy Ridley with an English accent. That's Ray has an English accent. Uh, if if we look back at the other characters that have an English accent, who are they? Leia. Leia. Doesn't she? Don't think so. She's very formal and no, no, I don't know. No, no, no. Sorry, it's your Palpatine. Point. Did he? Yeah, he does. Totally does. <laughs> Do you think she's a Palpatine? Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think that what's happened here is that we'll find that she is of Palpatine stock, but fighting for good. And then we've got Kylo Ren, who is Skywalker stock, but fighting for bad. Yeah, see, that's a really cool setup that I have thought about and like as well, because there are only three surnames that matter in the Star Wars saga yep. as it relates to force powers and the potential of being a human, not an alien, and that's Kenobi, Palpatine, and Skywalker. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure shoehorning in a Kenobi now would be the wrong move, mm, which means you're yeah. left with Palpatine and Skywalker. And they're not going to do the brother and they're not going to do the brother and sister thing again. It's too weird, especially because they had this weird kind of sexual tension. I mean, because mm -hmm. it's not that weird considering what happened in the original trilogy. But yeah, but it's done. Don't do yeah, it. We again. don't want to cringe about those sorts of things. <sighs> no. So I think if they do something like that setup, that makes for a very very interesting episode nine. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to finding out more and seeing that obviously, but. Nobody likes a Mary Sue, and Mary Sue always is just, eh, perfect just because, oh, she just got these Jedi powers, but she's the best at them. It, it doesn't do her any favours, despite the fact she's a pretty damn good character. I didn't think that, yeah, in The Force Awakens, I was like, people were saying she's a Mary Sue. I'm like, she's not a Mary Sue yet, mm -hmm. because they've hinted that there's a bigger story to be told about a backstory that would explain why she is the way she is. It seems like she's had memory deletions and stuff like that yeah, as well. Yeah. So I was like, this is actually interesting. She's more like Jason, the Jason Bourne of Jedi yeah. rather than, you know, uh, Captain Marvel who just gets these powers given to her and then she's like, I don't have any weaknesses, which is like for me is like I have a problem with Superman as a good guy. Superman would make a perfect bad guy because there's only one thing that can hurt him and that's kryptonite. Uh, and Captain Marvel, from and I only know her from the movies, I'm like, does 
anything stop her? Like she is a story. I, I can't imagine writing with a character like her because I'm like, how do you make someone threaten her? Like she can beat everyone. Here's my movie would like to tell you all about Listerine's exciting move into the ocular moisture space. Listerine eye drops provide a cool burn that's guaranteed to get you moving through your day. Out of the way world, I'm blinded by minty fresh success. Yeah, she's very powerful. And for her, but she's inherited her superpowers as well in, in a way that's believable, but she's just a problematic character. Whereas Ray was like, okay, she doesn't have, um, she has these force powers that she shouldn't have. She knows how to wield a lightsaber against someone who's trained how to fight with a lightsaber. She sure looks like she's confident with a lightsaber. People took that as evidence and I'm like, that's not evidence. No. Let's wait for episode eight. And then the kind of the explanations they gave us in eight, I'm like, yeah, okay, she's starting to be problematic unless there's an explanation in nine. So it's almost like we're waiting to find out this truth that will make it make sense. Because if we get to the end of nine and she's a, you know, oh, we haven't had any further explanation. She was just great all along. Mm. That's bad. And I have, look, I have massive problems with the democratization of the force. Yeah. Uh, which is, seems to be the explanation that people are saying is amazing. Mm. And it's actually terrible, terrible for the Skywalker saga. This is, Disney should have introduced this idea after episode nine when they've finished with the saga because there is, all they're doing is they're undermining the reason for the saga to exist. Why did you resurrect episodes seven, eight, and nine? to only go and say anyone can be a Skywalker. That is a powerful message. I acknowledge that. But it's also hugely problematic because we've followed Anakin Skywalker who fucked Padme and they had kids who had incredible force powers mm -hmm. as evidenced in the sequels. And then you're going to turn around and go, yeah, but they don't really mean shit because the force chooses who's the next chosen one slash most powerful force user in the world. No, again, do that later on when you need to find a way to continue the story and have people give a shit. Yeah. But you can't do that. There's no point bringing Luke Skywalker back to say he's cut off from the force. He went out like a chump. Like he just, he died like his mum. Mm -hmm. She's given up the will to live. And I was like, who is satisfied with that? Like that's <laughs> literally what he did. He mm. had a hard session of projecting himself across the galaxy and then he literally gave up the will to live and and died. Yeah. And I'm like, what is what is that? And I was literally watching it the first time under my breath chanting, don't you fucking disappear. Don't you fucking disappear. And he fucking disappeared, didn't he? Yep. Silly. So I yep. guess quickly, here's my movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it would be, it was mainly, to be honest, it's mainly tweaks. Um some substantial, some not. If you're going to have a chase sequence, uh, don't make key characters leave that chase sequence unless there's a bloody good reason. So we've got no casino planet. No. We can still have Rose and we can still have Finn. we just got to find a different adventure for them to have. What I would have set up is the idea that there is um, a traitor yep. on the ship. There is someone feeding information back to the First Order. Now, it can ultimately be revealed later on that, that the First Order was able to track people through hyperspace. But if they didn't know that, then there would be this distrust on the ship. When you've got distrust on the ship, suddenly you've got Holdo being absolutely justified in her decision to not tell people the story because she doesn't know who she can and can't trust. And a big reason to not trust Poe Dameron is he's just wiped out 
their you know entire starfighter star bomber fleet. Mm-hmm. Then you set up tensions. You set up driving division between people. Finn is an ex stormtrooper. What did he know? Are you still in touch with the First Order? So you start to have people who trust each other actively distrust each other. And that's that's an incredible point of drama as well when you when you do you that. You do kind so of much setup. with that. Now I've this is not like again, not the first person to say that idea. It's also, you know, heavily inspired from the third episode of Battlestar Galactica, the the recent one, not the old as fuck one, which I've never watched, which is the <laughs> An amazingly tense, and I think the best uh, episode in the series, which kept me going, and especially when it gets pretty shitty in seasons three and four. But that episode is kind of like the same idea. Like they are hyperspace jumping, and every certain amount of minutes, which is the name of the episode, which I forget, um, the Cylons, the bad guys, turn up. And they're like, how the fuck are they tracking us? And they discover that there is a traitor mm-hmm. who is feeding them the location. And I won't tell you how the episode plays out because it's fucking amazing, but suffice it to say there are some huge drama created out of that and how are they going to solve that problem? You have the same thing in The Last Jedi. So don't make them go to a casino planet. That means there's no need for a Benicio del Toro. They can still ultimately like, you know, Haldo can be working towards her plan secretively at this time because she doesn't know who to trust. And Poe Dameron can be not necessarily even being openly mutinous, or he still can be, but his plan, instead of going go to Casino Planet or call Maz Katana on the hollow phone, and she's in a fight, which is kind of hilarious, but also weird mm-hmm. tonally in this movie. Also, tonally, I'd keep it a bit more consistent and make it a whole lot less fucking slapstick. Keep some jokes in there. Star Wars has jokes. Star but- Wars does, but it usually it, it tonally it remains fairly even. But an iron coming down and it looks like a spaceship you know, with its steam during an incredibly tense sequence where they're undercover uh, on on an enemy ship. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the right time to, you know, basically effectively have a fart joke. Oh, no, we've been spotted. (laughs) So get, you know, let's have a little bit more tonal consistency. Uh, Let's keep that chase sequence present in front of mine and actually have a big old countdown that that ray is aware of as well somehow she's been communicated with they need her help she wants to get training from luke but she also wants to get back and help she wants to get luke to go with her i would not have him be cut off from the force i not at all no i, I would have him be self-exiled because apparently that's what jedi do by the way when they fuck up once like Yoda fights Palpatine once, almost wins, and goes, well, I didn't win that round. I'm probably the only person who can stand up to him, but fuck it, I'm going into exile. Obi-Wan's like, oh, well, I won that fight against Anakin. Mm. <laughs> fuck it, I'm going into exile. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I don't, I don't have a problem with Luke going into exile because apparently that's what he's been taught to do, like make one mistake, Luke, and go into exile, you must. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with him saying I failed because Kylo, my student, turned bad and wiped out my new Jedi Order. Mm. I let him down. I let Han down. I let Leia down. I let my students who are fucking dead down. Like that's powerful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, have have him say that. Also, deleted scene that put it back in, just simply put it back in. He Luke Skywalker cries after saying, Millennium Falcon's here, Chewie's here, where's Han? And 
there's like this, I think they cut away at that point. He yeah. goes back into his cabin and cries. I need that. I need that too. Because nobody fucking cried. And I need to see Luke Skywalker care about his best buddy Han. Who was his friend. and they spent, his best mate. They went through so much together. And he, and let he his got mate no down. grief. Like he got no mourning time. He failed to train Kylo who killed him. So he would feel some massive guilt. Yeah. Speaking of, back to Leia, let's have some payoffs of what I talked about earlier. Let's have Leia starting to doubt her leadership because she sent Han off to die. Let's have her actively like showing some fucking chinks in that armor and going, but like ultimately coming right. I don't want it to be the whole thing. But for me, her arc in this new trilogy was set up to be send Han to get, to get son back because I believe there's good in him. So she was like Luke. She had hope in a hopeless cause. Now I feel that JJ killed off Han with Kylo to show that, Kylo's not coming back good. Like, Kylo's gone. Like, mm-hmm. he's actually proper bad now, which I'm all for. I actually hope he doesn't get redemption. Even though he's got the tug of the light side, I'm okay with that. I hope that he goes all bad and whether he dies or lives is irrelevant, but I don't want him to get redemption. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, he can't have redemption because he fucking killed Han Solo. What Leia's arc was set up in my mind to be an eight and nine was that she was going to have to get to a stage where she has to confront her son. Now, whether that means she goes and gets some fucking training from Luke, I'm like, I need to learn how to wield a lightsaber because I've got to, my son's bad. I've got to let him go. I've got to, I'm, I've got to stop him. If you won't stop him, Luke, I'll go stop him. Maybe that's what gets him back into the fight. Like, and I thought that she was going to confront him, whether she gets killed by him or she kills him, which both of which are equally heartbreaking, by the way. Mm-hmm. Leia getting killed by her son is fucking Travis, a tragedy. And her killing her son, even though he's a piece of shit, is like, I feel for you. Like, that is that is some fucking heavy shit. And that's quite an arc yep. over um, the new trilogy. And outside of that, I don't really think I changed too much. I like I liked the Ray and Carlo stuff. I like their weird tension. I like that he is very successfully appealing to this idea of like, your heroes have let you down. Like Luke, if Luke's not ready to run off and help her, he can play on that. And he did. He's like, Hey, I can, I can help you out. Come and be with me. I actually don't want to be part of the first order. Let's go do our own thing. Let's forget about Jedi. Let's forget about Sith, dark side, light side, even though he's bad, mm. you know, let's, let's do our own thing. I liked that They had that connection. I thought that was cool. I certainly hope that that has some more play in the, in the next one. Um, and yeah, it keeps Snoke alive. Kill him. It doesn't matter. You really, I like that Kylo ends up in a power position. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't kill Luke at the end. In fact, no. I think Luke's arc doesn't end in eight. His, his, he was there to – his arc was to get back into the fight, right? He's yep. left the fight. He feels like a failure. Ray is there to show him that he still has the juju and can train her and in so doing believes in himself, which again separates him from the Yoda arc because Yoda never re-entered the fight. So he can go and become part of the Rebel Alliance. And what they do at the end of The Last Jedi, or the the new Rebel thing, whatever they're called, the Resistance, um, what they do at the end of The Last Jedi with his story inspiring people to join Mm -hmm. fundamentally makes no sense because only the First Order really saw it. And they try to make you believe that I think that the star in the sky I always thought was the Millennium Falcon at the end, but if it was the Millennium Falcon, then the only people who aren't in the First Order who've seen that are on that ship, so they couldn't have told anyone at that time, so the kids playing with the fake toys doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But him, part of the the Resistance, that's all they need. They're like, Luke Skywalker 
famed Jedi killer of the Empire, the Emperor and the Empire and Darth Vader, has rejoined the fight, systems would flock to him. Like he, that is his superpower. That is why, and again, why does the First Order want to kill Luke Skywalker? Their mm-hmm. whole mission in the first one is both parties are looking for Luke. They both want to find Luke because the Resistance wants Luke to enter the fight. And the First Order wants to take him off the table. Snoke and Kylo are both super scared of him. They want to kill him because they see him as a threat. Yeah, He's not a threat when uh, Rey meets him in The Last Jedi. He's, in fact, if they'd left him alone, that would have been the best thing they could have done. He was going to die of old age, disconnected from the Force, and he was a threat to nobody. Yeah. So it's kind of like doesn't make sense. Mm. Like why are they so afraid of this one Jedi when there are two of them who are incredibly powerful in the force and Kylo's got his Knights of Ren that for some reason weren't an eight but were made a big deal of in the seven. That's why it's called Ren because he's the Knights of Ren. I know weird little geeky backstory stuff that is introduced and then ditched and I believe is getting picked up again in episode nine. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't pick up on that to be honest. But I also wanted to see Luke fight. Yes. We didn't get to see Luke fight. We got to see Luke avoid fighting, say some really harsh words, and then fail. Yeah. Or disappear. Disappear, yeah. And that's not satisfying. Have him die. Have Kylo kill him if you want to, but at least have him fight. Yeah. And he would have gone out like a champ if he actually turned up there and and got killed there, buying time for his sister and the people that he thought he'd let down to escape. Yep. And by the way, have him have a moment, like the moment where he kissed her on the head, have him just, you know, like a more apologize and she's like, it's not your fault and I wish I'd, you'd been around more. And Everybody wanted more of that, I think, from the core cast. We all needed that and we didn't yeah. get it. Yeah, which is really sad. And it's more sad because, again, JJ fucked it. He took, he took Han Solo out of it so we can never have Han Solo and Leia and Luke in the same room again because as far as I'm aware, the rules are that like we could probably expect to see Leia or Luke in, in ghost form or force spirit form, mm-hmm. but Han Solo's not, he's not a Jedi. He's not force sensitive as far as we're aware. You shouldn't expect to see him again. So they've already cut off that possibility of, of that reunion, which to me is like, why bring them back? Mm-hmm. They would have been better off talking about them as rumors and having this next generation pick up whatever and run with it than have them and not give us those moments that seemed obvious yeah, And even if they were obvious, I don't think anyone would complain and go, man, it was so predictable when Han and Luke and Leia finally met up. Like, pff, who didn't see that coming? Like, I want to see that coming. I don't care how obvious that is. Mm. Yeah. And I guess everybody was waiting for, for that moment where we got a conversation about what had transpired. I mean, Han's own son killed him it's huge it's huge yeah why like why isn't there a a scene for everybody to remember where leia and luke are processing that together and it it would make so much sense for that to happen and then for luke to die valiantly in battle after having at least alluded via subtext to the guilt that he would inevitably have from you know, not ensuring that Kylo wasn't poisoned. Yeah. And they set it up and they didn't pay it off. Not at all. And that's that's so strange, though, to set up such poignant drama, which we've identified as it's already there. Like those, those tension points are already in play in the movies that exist. Yeah. And they just 
do nothing. Because it's entirely bloated by too many silly antics and sub-stories, too many characters that are trying to do too much all at once. Yeah. Like, here's my movie, I reduce the cast. Everybody has a vital job that they're doing. You know, I would still have uh, Holdo, probably. I would still... I wouldn't have Captain Phasma at all. She's gone. She adds nothing. She adds nothing. Rose, I'd, I'm sorry, but she's gone as well. I don't think that character needed to exist in any form. Um, uh, Finn really should have, like Force Awakens, been more involved in the main A story. Yeah. He, he became a side character. Why? We, they had no. It's like they wrote it in forgot they had him and so he he had to pair up with someone else and then that opened the the pathway for Kylo and Ray to have sexual tension and and be good versus evil because Finn was sort of set up as a bit of a love interest in Force Awakens and they needed to dispose of that really quickly and ham-fistedly. Or give it, him a love interest in Rose. Yeah. Which just felt weird. It felt really weird. And, like, th- that that was set up, uh, her and a sister and everything. With, yeah. That was all set up and that was incredibly sad. I like that set up for her. It, it, was, it was good, but they did absolutely nothing with it. So yeah. I'm removing it <laughs> from, yeah. from, from my version of the film. Uh, and so everybody needs purpose. Everybody needs scenes that fill them out as a character and give you something to care about. I put it to those that are aggrieved by Star Wars having a feminist agenda. I would implore you to look at the bigger picture, which is that the problem is, is that you failed to connect with any of the characters. These conversations didn't come up for previous for the for the for the main you know four five and six films because everybody found something to connect with in Leia, it didn't matter that she was female. Yeah, and new characters like Lando who weren't there in A New Hope. Yeah, and suddenly introduced in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, and you're like, this guy's fucking awesome. I want to see more of him because he's yeah. well written. He's well written, and he gives you something to hang on to. Yeah, even though he's a a, a bad guy effectively when you meet yeah. him. Yeah, Episode Eight is a mess. Yeah. Most of the characters give you nothing to hold on to unless there was some nostalgic fucking shit that you've got to latch on to like you do with characters that we've seen before. So Ray kind of gets a pass on that even though she's the newest addition, but then, you know, obviously Leia, Luke, everybody else, you know. Um, but I, I believe that is the problem that people have. And, yes, there is an influx of female characters as opposed to the other renditions of the film where you've got one. Yeah. Okay, but I would argue that that's a balance the other way if we want to get into gender politics and I'm happy to debate that with you as long as you like. Uh, and I say you as in the audience, you. Um, I know that we've discussed it <laughs> extensively and you're kind of on board with with what I'm saying. But the, the, the problem, it's too many characters all at once, too many poorly written characters Many of them happen to be female. You have nothing to relate to. So it's very, very easy in that situation to make it a political exercise that, and if you happen to feel threatened by the current political climate, then yeah, you can apply a whole liberal domination strategy to that, I guess, and feel very, very threatened. 
but I'd ask you to ask yourself why you are threatened. What is it about a couple more female characters that's really upsetting you? If it if it's the if it's the fact that there are female characters in what you think is something that you alone should own as a male, I, I implore you to look inward because you may be a bad person. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I don't think I don't I don't think everybody complaining is a bad person. I think I think a lot of people have misdirected anger in a political climate that's currently very difficult. And. It's it's very, very easy to see what you want to see in things that are already politicized because it's always been a political series, as I've as I've said before. But I, I think that the main issue is is that you could not connect with many of the characters because I couldn't. And you know, that's okay. Yeah. To to not connect. It's not your fault. No. That you didn't connect. What where it becomes murky is when you add onto it. Yeah. And like I will entertain most arguments of anything mm-hmm. but i cannot find sufficient evidence in the argument that there is a feminist agenda at play in the last year i can't there's nothing like there's bad writing and it and the guys suffer from it and the girls suffer from it it's across the board yeah and I think adding a couple of female characters for a little bit of balance, you know, and there was also, oh, Rose is Asian, so Asians can identify with the film. I I think so many people were actively looking for things to, to get up in arms about. And the fact that it came together as a package that was mostly poor, poorly received by established diehard fans meant that everything like all bets were off and everything was on the table to be heavily scrutinized and hated. And that unfortunately meant that the diversity angle was seen as a huge negative in this. And, and it, it, but it was ham fisted storytelling, too many characters, nothing to connect with. That's the problem. Nobody had problems connecting with Lando. No. Who's black. Yeah. You know, nobody had problems connecting with Leia, who's female. Nobody had problems connecting with all manner of other diverse angles. And and let's not forget, like, the bad guy in this is Darth Vader. So he's Space Hitler. Yeah. Don't be Space Hitler. Yeah. And I think <laughs> even, like, strip away everything, even yeah. remove – let's forget about The Last Jedi for a second. Yeah. Trying to argue that diversity in a Star Wars film, of all things, is bad in a galaxy far, far away that is made up of planets <laughs> of many species, male, female, probably 50,000 others, different types of whatever genders are going on. And yeah. it's a fucking fictional world far, far away. Mm-hmm. I want to see more aliens. I want to see more women. I want to see more representation of everything because it only adds on a very top level to this idea that that galaxy is full of different kinds of people and aliens and walks of life. Mm-hmm. It does not subtract anything. The only thing that takes away from it is when it's not executed well. And that's exactly what's happened here. And it, look, it's no surprise to me that in this climate, everybody latched onto those things and made it, you know, oh, my, my film's being politicized and being feminized and this is a feminist agenda and blah, blah, blah. This is all part of a Disney conspiracy, you know, to make everything about feminism and to squash straight white men. Um, I don't think that's happened at all. 
Uh, I, I look, and I'd be the first person to defend several areas where I think men get a bad deal. <laughs> like, yeah. Really, honestly, like if they if they wanted to make a comment on, you know, that men's issues aren't highlighted, it's like, well, yeah, okay, maybe there'll be a family law part to the next Star Wars film, yeah. or maybe they'll start discussing men's mental health. They're both really prevalent issues that I believe need more attention. Um, I'm certainly not against anything like that coming out and, you know, do I consider myself a feminist? I think, well, yes. That's not a bad thing. No. And I consider myself a feminist. Like it's, it's not a dirty word. <laughs> oh, it shouldn't be. And I think a lot of people are confusing just little snippets that mainstream media have put out there as extreme examples of things like, you know, all – all sexual contact between men and women is rape. And they're like, oh, see, everyone's, everything's going to hell. They're even touching Star Wars. Ah! Like, in, a, in a climate where mainstream media is doing stuff like that just to make everybody look friggin' stupid. They're the big fucking trolls we talked about. They're the huge. They're huge trolls. It's they them. They make money out of being trolls because you click on it, you engage with it. They make money advertising dollars, clicks are hits. Clicks are money, baby. And... I, yeah, it's disheartening because everything then becomes tainted by this lens of, of us against them and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, just and, refuse to let it become that. Yeah, refuse to let it become that. And, and, and look at the story. Look at the characters. What is it that's made you so upset? This applies to anything. Anything. The only thing that changes in Star Wars is that Star Wars is something that's near and dear to so many people's hearts that crosses generations that I have an enjoyment that's in common with my parents. Like my parents watched it when it came out can tell me about the first time they got to see it. Mm -hmm. I can tell them future generations. I could tell them about my experience with Star Wars and assumedly they would be experiencing Star Wars as well. It's this, it's this awesome thing and people feel a sense of ownership because it's part of their history. It was a big part of my childhood. I'm sure it was a big part of your childhood. It's becoming big hearts, big parts of new childhoods. And let me just say to everybody, whether you are still furiously writing that email or you stopped listening to this a long time ago and then I hope your buddy tells you about this little end rant from <laughs> me uh, because you disagree with us fundamentally, it's okay to not like The Last Jedi. Yeah, I don't it's like okay. it. And that's that's I want to make that clear as well because I saw comments from the other side of the debate as well being like, if you don't like The Last Jedi, then you hate women or whatever fucking bullshit it was. Well, or people and- trying to pigeonhole legitimate criticism yep. under this like, well, you're just like those guys. No, we're not. It is okay to criticize something that has been put out into the public for public consumption. Absolutely. To criticize anything, to criticize this fucking podcast Mm -hmm. because we are putting it out into the public. Yep. And when I say, like, look inward and you might be a bad person, that is if you've looked inward and your problem with this is that there are too many women visible in the story, then, yeah, that – you kind of need to to address that because – That is a problem. You you have a fundamental problem with – 50% 50% of humanity. <laughs> Have a chat to your mum about it. Have a chat to your mum about it or, or a female. She's a woman, by the close way. Close to you, yeah. I know I learned that late. I was like, mum's not a woman. Mum's a mum's. Dads, are, they're not men, they're dads. But no, they, they are and, yeah, it's absolutely worth having a chat about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because it's, 
some in, in a lot of fear is a lot of these you know anger and aggression does come from fear and and all that kind of thing and, and you know I'm kind of getting off topic there I guess but far be it from us far be it from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I I don't think that this was I mean, I, I I don't think this was a feminist film I didn't like the film and I've explained why because I there were so many problems with characterization that it makes it impossible to really latch on and, and like massive anyone. Massive plot holes. Massive plot holes, underutilized characters, underutilized tension and drama. Undercooked across the board. Undercooked across the board, and that's why I didn't like it. Um, that doesn't make me a bad feminist or. <laughs> no. <laughs> or anything like that. Fuck so, anyone who'd say that. So fuck anyone that would say that, and, you know, fuck anyone that has a look at. A few female presenting characters, aliens, etc., and goes, ah, the feminists have got everything, you know, they're attaching themselves to everything, and it's all just a big lie, and everybody's out to get me. Nobody is out to get anybody. There are still a lot of great male characters. There are more male characters than everything else. If you heard that weird gurgle and purr, that's our cat Patrick. I'm so excited. I was expecting so much earlier than episode four to be talking about our weird interruptions from Patrick. He has been so well behaved up until now. Not that he's being particularly bad behaved. He just rubbed up against my microphone. You, yeah, I hope you heard the purrs. He's actually bumped it off to the side and I'm worried about it being uh, precarious now. But yes, Patrick, you're, you're gorgeous. Just stay away from the microphone, please. See, yeah. We're, uh, we're into heavier debate. I think he's there going, shut up. Nobody cares about the feminist That's or the far talks. right agenda. <laughs> All they Shut care up, about dickhead. is how many crunchies they have in their bowl. <laughs> Fuckwits. <laughs> um, that's his voice, by the way. He's a bogan. Um, yeah, so that is The Last Jedi from us, I think. I think we've uh, we've done that pretty well. Yeah. We've uh, ripped it apart. Oof, yeah, that was hard work. So I think now we should have a look at an email that we received from Henry Hill, who is a listener, and we did mention him in our coming up. We didn't actually watch the 40th anniversary edition of Alien on 4K. We'll do uh, that. We'll do that at some other point. Uh, do you have the email up by chance? I do. All right. <laughs> I thought that's what you were doing. Weirdos. No, I do not Got have access to it crossed. on my telephone. Henry Hill, and can I just say he sounds like a Stan Lee creation with the you know the, the alliteration of the. The first letter and the last letter, or the first letter of both names matching. Uh, the subject line is Goodfellas is great. I don't know who that's aimed at. <laughs> first of all, see subject line, writes Mr. Hill. Secondly, which is actually quite honorific, I appreciate that. My idea for how to fix us, going back to our first episode, goes big with it. Go all cabin in the woods. Instead of an abandoned program, have it continue to this day. Have Adelaide, who's the maid character, be the spanner in the works, the switch and an unexpected variable the program never accounted for. Have the movie be about a concerted effort on the part of the government to keep a large portion of the population under control. That opens up a whole array of options for social commentary. My only theory is that maybe Jordan Peele doesn't want to be that dude whose horror films have social commentary, and that's why he chickened out and had the government program exist essentially as an unnecessary plot hole, spackle element. I really shouldn't have left a dra dramatic pause there. 
uh, as an unnecessary whole spackle element. Anyway, I like the first episode. Keep it up. You're not the boss of us, Henry. We'll do what we want. <laughs> Podcast cancelled. I um I really liked uh, Henry's idea for us. I would love to see that film. It was very much in line with your idea, wasn't it, Katie? It I was, little, so I, I guess that means I win. You went bigger. I know, and that's why I didn't want to read out Henry's email, especially because he likes Goodfellas. What a chump. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet I, I really do like the idea of seeing a film that explores that government element significantly. And that's that that was uh partly my change for us. And I know that I I just think that there was there was a lot of cool stuff to tell there and just like in this highly politicized uh environment that we're in, I think it works. I think it works really well. And you got five points earlier. For yeah. whatever thing I can't remember. So now I guess you're on ten points because of Henry Hills. Kudos to you. So yeah, yeah. this game already sucks and I hate it because I'm I'm losing uh, really hard. So can someone please write in an email and say their own theory that just happens to relate a lot to something I have said and not something that Katie has said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, write in and tell us. Yeah, your ideas for a movie, whether you agree or disagree with us. Uh, we we might read it out. We might not always read it out, but we will reply in some fashion. And apologies for the pregnant pause. I have the world's most shit house XLR cables in the microphone, and when our cat sits on them, it goes wah, 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 in my. <laughs> headphones so i was unable to reply i apologize for that that's all right um moving right along towards wrap up uh wanted to give a shout out to the friends of the podcast yes we have ray bannerman who we've mentioned earlier but movie weekly website if you want daily news trailers announcements and anything related with movies occasional reviews from me even more occasional reviews from katie uh check out movie weekly on facebook and i also want to give a shout out to uh, the guys at Gap, Job and Luke, or Job Gilroy and Luke Laurie, they run the Gap podcast, which is if you want to know anything about video games and you want to listen to someone rant for many hours, you will hear Job do that and Luke will occasionally chime in and cut him off, which is great. <laughs> I'm sometimes on that show too and uh, this is ridiculous, but we once did a nine and a half hour podcast. That. That's that's a record somehow. No, nope. it has to be. Joe wants to break double figures. I've haven't been on the show since, uh, not because they haven't invited me back, but because I'm actually scared. I don't have nine and a half hours to carve off very often to do podcasts. And as you know from this podcast, I have a tendency to rant somewhat. <laughs> Maybe a little, hey. Where can people email us at? Okay. Hello at here'smymovie.com. There's also a contact form on our website, here'smymovie.com. And you can hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash here'smymovie. What? And fb.me forward slash here'smymovie is where you can find us on Facebook. We currently have zero likes. Uh, well, yeah, change that. Give us one. <laughs> That's our goal for next week. One like equals <laughs> one prayer yeah is yeah, that what yeah. one dollar is yeah. that how the, that economy the like economy works yeah yeah and i mean there's a lot of like medical issues that children have that can be solved like one like equals one prayer for this child that's going through something so in the in the economy of likes that's the only way you can save things and you don't know if we're going to be talking about that so our likes might end up being transferred into the bank account of this kind of uh, hypothetical children 
Yes. And uh, if we don't get any likes on the page, I'm going to upload a photo of me with a face like a bereaved cod to in- <laughs> to invoke <laughs> sympathy and sadness. Oh, I kind of don't want any likes now. Maybe don't give us any <laughs> likes and uh, we'll see how quickly we can get that picture up. No, no. No one will ever see me. Next time on Here's My Movie. Yeah, so next week we are going to dive into a beloved franchise from the both of us, Terminator, but we're just going to deal with, at this stage, the Terminator, the very first one. Uh, That'll be really fun. I think in the similar way to Alien being really important in my life, Terminator's up there as well. I remember sneaking out of bed and hiding behind the couch to watch it what when i was a very small child and i've watched it many times since and it's just incredible as a series so i mean yeah well as a two movies (laughs) as a a two movies yeah yeah so uh maybe not as a series but certainly the establishment of that world is awesome so we'll dive into that for the next episode and maybe we'll have looked at alien by then i'm not sure Uh, we'll get alien in there at some point yeah at some point uh, do we have anything else to say? That's no, it. That's it. We've ticked, we actually made a list this time, so we've uh, we've ticked everything off. Yeah. All right. Thanks for stopping by. We will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.